Hello and welcome to this special midweek edition of The View from the Lane, our new Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. My name is Jack Pitbrook. I'm at home in London, but I am joined tonight by Charlie Eccleshare, who is in Munich. He's just been at the Allianz Arena to see a much-changed Tottenham team lose 3-1 to Bayern Munich. Charlie, how was it? Yeah, it was okay. I mean, it was it was a bit of a dead rubber. Um, it did have that feel to it a little bit for Spurs. Um, I thought, you know, they tried gamely, but um, yeah, they were a bit outclassed. Um, but it was a much-changed team, so... You know, I think it's kind of to be expected that, you know, it wasn't the most coherent performance we've ever seen. Uh, and Bayern played a pretty strong side, uh, you know, in a way at the Alliance it's always going to be hard, even with your first choice, uh, 11. So, you know, it, it wasn't, um, you know, I don't think it would be one that lives long in the memory for the Tottenham fans, but, you know, no harm done. And, you know, Mourinho got to see some, some players get some important minutes. How is the atmosphere? Because it's... On a good day, it's. I think it's for me. It's the best stadium in Europe, but I imagine it was slightly different tonight because there was nothing riding on it. Yeah, it probably wasn't its electric best, but still, you get a, a sense that, as you say, it, it does feel like one of the one of Europe's best. It's, it feels massive, like it has that real epic feel to it, um, and you know the the crowd was still up for it and engaged. Um, so no, it was still, still really good fun. But yeah, probably not at the height of you know a, a semi-final or a final or something like that. But yeah, no, it's an, an amazing ground. Yeah, if any listeners haven't been, I would 100% recommend going, uh, even for just any any Bayern Munich game or just for, just for a look around. It's really fantastic. Um, Charlie, Jose Mourinho said on TV afterwards that he didn't have any firm conclusions from the game, but had gleaned some important information from it. What important information did you glean from this Tottenham game? Uh, well, Sessegnon stepped up, um, took his goal really well, uh, and yeah, just just looked unfazed by the whole occasion, which was really impressive. Um, not only was it his first, you know, Champions League start, it was his first start for Tottenham. So, you know, I think that's really really encouraging signs uh, for him to have done that. Um, otherwise, I mean, he named checked Foyth, who who was solid and, and played pretty well. Kyle Walker-Peters was disappointing. I mean, it was a, a bit of a baptism of fire for him up against you know, some really world-class uh, wide midfielders for Bayern. But yeah, he didn't really didn't really step up. Rose wasn't great again. Um, Dyer was looked a little off the pace. Um, I'm aware that these are kind of negative things, um, yeah. but you know that maybe that's useful as well. You know, they get some some of the information. Uh, I, and I, I thought Ericsson, he, he got a lot of criticism from uh, from Tottenham supporters. He actually created a few really good chances, um, so I didn't think it was his worst game. Uh, and then it was, it was disappointing to see Parrot. That would have been some some useful information that that uh, we would we would deny. Completely, yeah. Well, well, let's start with the positives. Uh, Sessegnon obviously took his goal fantastically well. Like it was, it was really, it was really excellent finish. He was very patient, didn't snatch at it. Uh, and overall, he looked. I mean, on telly, he looked like he was a threat throughout, playing in what I guess is now effectively the human son role mm. out on the left of that four-two-three-one. Uh, what watching it live in the stadium? What did you What did you sense? What did you feel about how Sessegnon played? Yeah, similar. I mean, he, as you say, he had that, um, he had an edge to him and it started off really early in the game. I think it was about the fourth minute or something. He ran through, had a shot that was decent and not as saved. And I think that just gave him a lift. 
Um, and then scoring, it's amazing what that does for a player. Uh, you know, he he then looked really like he's sharp and he wanted to get on the ball. I think he faded uh, in the second half, but, you know, that's, that's to be expected. He's played so little football over the last few months. And it does make you think if he can get, get fully fit, uh, you know, get more games over the Christmas period maybe, then hopefully next year Spurs will really start to see the best of him. Completely, yeah. It's really interesting to see how his position is going to develop at Spurs because I know that Pochettino and his team saw Sessegnon as someone who would eventually play left-back and they bought him with a view to eventually moving him back there. But I think it's fair to say that Mourinho and Pochettino have slightly different conceptions of how a fullback should play. And the fact that Sessegnon played in that human son role tonight suggests to me that maybe Jose would rather have a more defensive left-back, which I think ultimately will be Vertonghen, for this season and when he does play Sessegnon it'll be more in that wide role yeah I think for now that's that's the case um but Mourinho said he thinks long term he he is a left back and he made that Ashley Cole comparison that oh cool everyone's everyone's been very excited about and uh you know Sessegnon was sort of asked about that as well and said yeah you know that's obviously an honor because Ashley Cole is such a legend um so I, so I think that is you know I think Mourinho does see him there longer term um, but yeah, for the moment, I think for this season, we'll predominantly see him on the wing. Um, you know, unless he, you know, we've spoken about this a lot, but unless he played uh, Sessegnon in that kind of advanced fullback role, but that would mean dropping Aurier, um, who yeah. at the moment sort of merits his place. But you, you could see that as a kind of tactical tweak. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, he has options and Sessegnon is a player who... You know that that versatility will hopefully help him get more minutes this season as he gets up to speed. And you know, with, with the way Rose is playing, you feel like Sessegnon may be ahead of him in that pecking order, even though it wasn't fore- foreseen that he would be a left back so early in his Spurs career. Completely. And Mourinho said on BT Sports straight after the game that he he'd learned more about Juan Foyth in this game than he had in the last sort of three weeks of training at Spurs. I know this is a, a subject you've taken interest in. What did you make of him tonight? Yeah, he he was good. You know, he he, he was impressive. He he is someone who he's so willing to take chances on the ball, which can delight or infuriate. You know, depending on your point of view. And there was a moment in the first half where he had it, you know, almost in the opposition half, and Serge Nabry's bearing down on him. And if Nabry nicks it, he's through on goal, and Foyth just manoeuvres the ball away from him really confidently, really smoothly, and then set up a Spurs attack that ended up with Eriksen nearly getting on the end of a Sessegnon cross. So, you know, he, he has that about him. He has a bit of an aura. He has a calmness. He's, he's still so young. He's only 21. Um, and yeah, as you say, I've been, you know, doing quite a lot of work uh, on on a piece for Foyt, uh, which will be up in the morning. So, yeah, you can read that on The Athletic. Um but yeah, no, he, he was good and he was solid. He made some good clearances as well. Took a little bit of time to get into it. But again, you know, it's only his second start for Spurs of the season. So, you know, he, he will hopefully, uh, if he's given time, you know, grow, grow into that role. Yeah, I love watching Foyth play because he's such, a, he's such a natural. It's always nice seeing, particularly like a young centre-back who is that confident and comfortable on the ball. Like it's not, I guess there's John Stones, but generally speaking, it's not a type of player we produce that much in the UK. Uh, yeah, so that, that's exactly s- a player I made a comparison with, actually, Stones. Yeah, I think, so I think when you do see a player like that, it's really cool to watch. Uh, yeah. Just how, and I know that, like, it's he's you know he's had his struggles since he joined Spurs, and it hasn't always come easy to him because English football is very different, and you don't get a lot of time on the ball. But he's one of those players, you just watch him play, and you think, yeah, this guy is really, really, really talented. 
and yeah. I hope that he it'd be fantastic if if he manages to make the most of his talent at Tottenham uh, because you know if you sell him you're not going to replace with anyone anyone nearly as good and if you want to I, you know, I'm certainly looking forward to reading Charlie's piece about Foyth and if you want to read Charlie's piece uh, and you are not currently a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a 40% off an Athletic subscription with the promo code SPURSPOD. It's funny, isn't it? We were we, Charlie and I were chatting beforehand about whether like Tottenham might be the Chelsea 2012 of, the, of this year's Champions League in the sense that you know they started the season badly and had to change manager mid-season and they've underperformed in Europe recently but they've got a bunch of experienced players and it might well be that a combination of the managerial change and the players kind of asserting themselves might see them go on to you know to to mean that this is the year when they when they win the Champions League just like Chelsea 2012 but then like literally all of those factors are just as applicable to Bayern as hmm. they would be to, to Tottenham this year. In fact, probably it's probably likelier in the sense that this Bayern team, like the overall level and experience and quality of the individuals, is just a higher level than that of Tottenham. And it's actually more, I think, more akin to Chelsea 2012, which obviously had Drogba, Lampard, Terry, Czech, uh, all these really good experienced players who uh, who'd been around for a long time. And finally got it done. So you know, there's there's absolutely no reason that they can't win it, even though, you know, in the post-match analysis on TV, when people were running through the likely winners, they weren't mentioned as much as some of the others. Um, so the draw is on Monday after the Wolves game. There are five teams that Tottenham can get, I think, unless I've got this very wrong: uh, PSG, Juventus, Barcelona, RB Leipzig, and Valencia. Uh, I mean, I was going to ask you to make a prediction. That would be absurd. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you want to happen? What do you think is especially interesting? Um, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? And, and PSG feels appealing um, for a number of reasons. I think you know they haven't played uh, PSG. I think that's right um, in the Champions yeah, League. I think, I think that's right. Yeah. So that that's always quite nice, isn't it? When you you play a team you haven't played before, because I think otherwise, it, you know, the Champions League as amazing as it is, the only thing that it has a risk of sometimes is that it can be a bit repetitive, the same teams playing each other. So I think that would be a really fun one. Um, Juve, I mean, they played them, what was it, a couple of years ago uh, and lost a tie that they really, I think, should they have won. It. They had it in the hands. Yeah, they, up. they really did. And so I think that, you know, in a kind of revenge sort of narrative. Um, and as you said, you know, with the the whole Barcelona thing, I mean, Mourinho and Barcelona is just always interesting, isn't it? You know, that 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 subplot. Um, and I know Spurs played them last season, so maybe from that point of view, it's, it's not quite as interesting, but certainly that Mourinho element works particularly well with Barca, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Mourinho would obviously be motivated to win any of these ties, and I'm sure none of those teams would want Tottenham. But I think... Mourinho is always especially motivated to get one over on Barca. Mm. You know, it's quite well documented that he was interviewed for the job in 2008 when uh, Soriano, Brigistan, Mark Ingler eventually gave it to a totally unproven Pep Guardiola. And this is after Mourinho had been sacked by Chelsea for the first time before he took the Inter job. And by, you know, by, by all accounts, Mourinho was pretty heartbroken to have missed out on the job at that point. And since then has, you know, for both at Inter and then subsequently at Real Madrid, did pretty a pretty good job, all told, of getting one <laughs> over 
Guardiola's Barcelona, both in the 2010 Champions League semi-final, most memorably with Inter, and then sort of subsequent moments, but not you know not all the time when he was at Real Madrid. So and of also fantastic. burning any bridges, he uh, yeah <laughs> yeah had there. completely. I think from a kind of uh, lazy journalist's perspective, I would love PSG uh, because it's a it's obviously a fantastic fantastic place, and also the um, it's just such an interesting clash between you know a sort of up and coming football project, for want of a better word, in Tottenham. And then PSG, which is incredibly ambitious, but I think probably has, I don't know, I just feel like their team's a bit more balanced, unlike whereas Tottenham is like, you know, good players who are probably more than the sum of their parts. PSG is top, top, top players who are probably less than the sum of their parts. So it's two teams who are kind of coming at this from a slightly different approach. Yeah, anyway, it's crazy that Spurs are the one with the Champions League final to their name. Completely, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Those two, yeah. Of those two teams that you know, PSG, the investment they've had and how close, you know, they've had so many like near misses. Get, I mean, even getting through to the semi and stuff like that would be, you know, yeah. PSG are more like City in that sense, aren't they? Because mm, yeah. they've had like a decade of massive money and they've had incredible players and some very good managers, and yet they haven't even got to a Champions League final. I think what have like, they even got to a semi in this period in the in in the in the recent period? Uh, I off the top of my head, no, I don't think they have. Uh, I think which is crazy yeah yeah it's crazy so what they lost a quarterfinal to Barca if you're listening you can look up on Wikipedia I'm not going to try they lost one City as well do it off the top of my head yeah so they lost to City in the quarterfinal in 2016 they lost to Barca I think in the quarterfinal in 2013 yeah they had Barca last 16 the 6-1 in 2018 Manchester United I think was the last 16 was it that was last 16 yeah yeah Um, But yeah, they like they have obviously massively underperformed when you have, you know, uh, all the incredible players that they've had over the last few years. So anyway, yeah, like it, there's only a one in five chance that that would happen, but it would obviously be an incredible game if it did. But before the draw, we have uh, Tottenham against Wolves on Sunday at Molyneux. Um, do you suspect we'll see a return to the Burnley team or do you think any of these guys or anyone else will force their way in for them? I suspect we probably will see a return to that team. Like, I can't think you know there were some good performances some solid performances but I don't think given the fact that that you know that was a really good performance against Burnley and the fact that Mourinho quite likes having that settled team um I think we will go back to that game uh we'll go back to that team for the um for the Wolves game yeah yeah I think you're right I can't really think of any I mean it's interesting that point you made about Eric Dyer because it might well be that Mourinho would want to play somebody else, but then I think would would you want Ndombele and Sissoko? No. Would you want Wings and Sissoko? No. Mm. You're coming up against the midfield, which got Moutinho and Neves, and you know is going to do a pretty good job of keeping the ball. Why would Spurs not play their only holding midfielder? Like it, it I can't really see the, why Jose would not pick Dyer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but anyway, that's all that we've got time for on this podcast, um, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Charlie very much for speaking and we Charlie and I and James will be back for another podcast at the start of next week where we will look back on the Wolves game and look forward to the huge Chelsea game at the end of next week (laughs) 